Sudan in focus on the voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington. Here are some of the top stories making news across Sudan and South Sudan this Monday, May 30, 2022. Sudan's military leader, General Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, lifts state of emergency across the country. The council has decided to recommend the following. First, lifting the state of emergency imposed across Sudan. And South Sudan's health minister says her country inherited weak health systems from Sudan. For our country to be affected in maintaining peace, we require a healthy population. When health services are adequate for our citizens, conducive environment for sustainability is created. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Sudan's military leader, General Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, lifted a state of emergency that was imposed across the country when he staged a military takeover. On October 25th, security forces also reportedly released dozens of political detainees who have been held in prisons across Sudan. As Nabil Biagio reports for VOA from Washington, one political analyst says Burhan's measures are not enough to build trust with the civilian opposition and the international community. General Burhan issued a decree to lift the seven-month-long state of emergency in Sudan on Sunday, hours after a meeting of Sudan's Transitional Sovereignty Council with the Defense and Security Council in Khartoum. Sudanese Defense Minister and Spokesperson for the Transitional Sovereign Council, Yasin Ibrahim, told reporters in Khartoum the Security and Defense Council recommended to Burhan he lift the order to create a conducive environment for dialogue among Sudan's military and civilian actors. The Council has decided to recommend the following. First, lifting the state of emergency imposed across Sudan. Secondly, releasing all those detained based on the emergency law with exception of cases that pertain to criminal law and cases of crimes against the state. Thirdly, allowing Al Jazeera Live channel to resume its broadcasting in Sudan. Sudan's military rulers withdrew the broadcast license of the Qatar-based Al Jazeera in January for what authorities called unprofessional conduct. Authorities also revoked the accreditation of Al Jazeera journalists in Sudan. Sudanese political analyst and professor of history at the University of Missouri, Abdullahi Ali Ibrahim, says... The decision to lift the state of emergency came after the military failed to win over the civilian opposition and failed to stop street demonstrations against the coup. There is a, a serious stalemate in Sudan, a stalemate between the people who were uh, uh, who supported or initiated the coup and the generality of the population or, or what we call the revolutionary side of the equation. The stalemate is real there. The Burhan group are finding it extremely difficult to, they wanted to go it all, all by themselves, that is alone. They couldn't do that. Uh, they wanted to negotiate. Negotiations were not, were not, the, the other side is not, is not interested. Ibrahim says lifting the state of emergency is not going to stop the near-daily anti-coup demonstrations in Sudan. Lifting the emergency uh, laws 
it is really but really and i should uh, they should have started with something else because with the emergency law uh, and is uh, no one stopped doing whatever the law was issued to stop like demonstration and, uh, and all, that, all other kinds of activities uh, we would like to see a serious a serious consideration of the coup of the 25th of October the stalemate in Sudan can only be broken by serious measures taken by the international community against Sudan's coup leaders says Ibrahim by the international community taking more drastic steps with the coup Like they started, for example, sanctioning the police component. Uh, the American government is uh, sanctioning some some departments here and there. We would like to see more of that. We would like to see it at directed towards the heads of, of the you know of, of, of the restoration, people of the restoration, the, the symbols of the restoration, specifically the Semitic. The lifting of the state of emergency also comes after two anti-coup protesters were killed during demonstrations on Saturday. The head of the UN mission in Sudan, Volker Perths, tweeted Sunday that he was appalled by the violent death of two young protesters in Khartoum. Perths once again called for the violence to stop and for ending the state of emergency. The United Nations, the African Union and IGAD are leading a political process to restore a civilian-led democratic transition in Sudan. The process has achieved little progress since it started early this year. For VOA News, I'm Nabil Biagio in Washington. South Sudan's Health Minister Dr. Yolanda Awell says the country's health ministry has relied heavily on donor funds due to a weak system inherited from Sudan. She says the health status is fragile due to what she calls human-made and natural disasters. For VOA News, David Monodanga reports from Washington. The 75th World Health Assembly held in Geneva, Switzerland, was the first in-person World Health meeting since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. South Sudanese Health Minister Dr. Yolanda Awell tells South Sudan in focus that this year's theme, Health for Peace, Peace for Health, is relevant to her country's fragile health situation. For our country to be effective in maintaining peace, we require a healthy population. When health services are adequate for our citizens, conducive environment for sustainability is created, hence peace implementation. COVID-19 have caused major setback in health system. The gains that were made over the years were all pushed back in a few months or the last two years. But health professionals are doing a very wonderful job in mitigating further impacts. Dr. Awell urges the public to continue taking coronavirus precautions and to get vaccinated. Ten years after South Sudan's independence, non-governmental organizations are still the major providers for much-needed services across the country. The health sector continues to rely heavily on NGOs and UN agencies for intervention. Government healthcare facilities lack essential or basic prescription drugs. Joseph Moilinga, a South Sudanese health practitioner living in San Diego, California, says if the government would crack down on corruption from its oil revenue, it would have plenty of money to provide quality health services to its citizens. Millions of dollars that those guys are, are, are looting from the, from the oil revenue. Every state supposed to have one 
just one hospital in every capital of the state. They will be able to do that. But there's no way. Moelinga says the poor management of health institutions is another big setback in developing the health sector in South Sudan, as well as meager wages and salaries the government pays to healthcare professionals. Doctors are just struggling, you know, there's no money. That's why a lot of uh, doctors say, you know, they, 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 they try you know, to group themselves and they have their own clinics over there. And then if you don't have that money, you will be dead. Our, our local population will be, will be victims of, of that. Minister Awai insists South Sudan's health sector is fragile primarily because of a weak health system inherited from Sudan. Health status in South Sudan is very fragile due to human-made and natural disasters. But everyone in the health sector is doing their best to improve it. We have relied heavily on Dondam Fund because of the health system that we inherited from the Sudan during 2011, that was weak. So any hiccups in the the country set the system back a few steps. Awel says one of her takeaways from the World Health Assembly in Geneva is that there is power in constructive communication between all parties involved with health-related projects. Number two, collaboration between donors and member states. These move things faster and mitigate delays you know, in implementing the projects. Number three is bilateral and multilateral partnership. These ensure lesson learned in health sector in one country are actually transferred or shared to another country. Number four is most member states face the same challenges and working together ensure better results of getting heard and help. Dr. Awel says system surveillance and regulation ensure better emergency response and readiness. For example, innovations that the health ministry installed to curb the spread of COVID-19 will be transferable in case there is an outbreak of another global pandemic. Awel says the same innovation is being used to detect monkeypox. The World Health Organization has received reports of 257 confirmed monkeypox cases and about 120 suspected cases in 23 nations where the virus is not endemic. In five African countries where monkeypox is commonly found, the WHO says it has received reports of 1,365 cases and 69 deaths due to the virus. Monkeypox is a viral zoonotic disease, meaning it can spread from animals to humans and can also spread between people. For VOA News, I am David Monadanga in Washington. Some South Sudanese women rights activists are calling on aid agencies and the World Bank to ensure a $70 million grant meant for women empowerment reaches rural women and other intended beneficiaries. The head of a group calling itself the Center for Inclusive Governance, Peace and Justice alleges that some organizations hold huge amount of funds without ensuring it reaches the people it is supposed to help. For VOA News, Manyang David Mayar reports from Jubal. Firas Rat, the World Bank country manager for South Sudan, announced on Friday the World Bank had approved a 70 million international development association grant to boost women's social and economic empowerment in South Sudan. The explicit development objective uh, of the project is to increase girls and women's access to livelihood, uh, entrepreneurial and gender-based uh, violence services and to strengthen the government's capacity to actually provide these services. Many South Sudanese women received the announcement with joy. South Sudanese entrepreneur Grace Akonbiar, who sells books in Juba, 
says the money comes at the right time when South Sudanese women are rising up together to change their lives. There were times that you could not find women everywhere. But if you look at women now, they're trying their best. You find some of them are carrying uh, sweets and other things on their head and then moving around, selling them. They, they are really rising and they are really into the field of businesses. And this is the time that they should be supported. The World Bank says the four-year project will socially and economically empower 91,000 women and 5,200 girls in Central Equatoria, Eastern Equatoria, Western Bahr el-Ghazal, Warab and Unity States. The bank says the project will be implemented by the South Sudan Ministry of Gender, Child and Social Welfare with support from the International Office of Migration. Jacqueline Asiwa, director of the Center for Inclusive Governance, Peace and Justice, says at times huge funds at various organizations gets stockpiled and does not reach the intended beneficiaries. She's urging the World Bank and its partners to ensure that the money with this project reaches rural women in particular. Most of the time, uh, donors and partners make big announcements of this money. But when you come on the ground, the situation remains the same. So this thing of having too many uh, middlemen or middle women in the middle, organizations in the middle, and then at the end, what comes to women-led organizations, something that cannot even... Uh, support the local rural women. So we want to make sure that this 70 million reaches the rural women so that they can be able to grow. Akon agrees that grant money from projects like this one often does not reach its intended recipients. You find it somebody somewhere has misused the money in between. And then later, the real people who deserve that money, they might be given a small percentage. Nasiwa says South Sudanese rural women are living in great poverty and any support that targets their welfare should be handled with care. She says the World Bank funding should target specific areas of women empowerment. If someone is selling vegetables in the market, how can we help these women to process their vegetables or grow their vegetables in large amounts that they can sell to the market locally and also sell to the neighboring states? Our women need to be capacitated in terms of how to start up business, how to register business. Some of the women cannot even register business because of the requirements, maybe legal documents, the fee to be paid. So how can this funding be able to support um, women's status in business? The World Bank says the funding targets community-based socio-economic empowerment of women, establishes a women's entrepreneurial opportunity facility, provides services for survivors of gender-based violence, and supports institutional strengthening and project management. For VOA News, Amanyang David Mayar in Juba. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, traders in South Sudan welcome the resumption of river transport between Sudan and South Sudan. Find out why after the break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today... When you are upset, would you rather be alone or with others? I'd rather be alone because sometimes being with people demands a lot from someone's self. 
When you stress up, there's no need of being alone because when you are with others, at least they can advise you. When I'm upset, actually, being alone is not a good thing. So at least I have to associate with my colleague and I end up releasing that anger from me. I prefer being alone when I'm upset, yeah, because at least when I'm alone, I regain some some humor that I, when at least I go in public, I can talk with someone now, eh? but when I'm still pissed, I can't talk to anyone. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. The South Sudan Chamber of Commerce welcomes the resumption of river transport between Sudan and South Sudan. An official with the South Sudan Chamber of Commerce says the resumption of business between the two countries will improve the economy of South Sudan. For VOA News, Dengai Deng reports from Juba. After being closed for more than a decade, the island river transport between Sudan and South Sudan has reopened under the directives of President Salva Kiir and the head of Sudan Transitional Sovereign Council, Gerald Abdel Fattah El-Vrohan. President Kiir's advisor on security, Tutke Ugalwak, announced the reopening Saturday of the Nile River transport route in coastal town of Sudan's White Nile state. The ships are ready to transport foodstuffs and petroleum to South Sudan. I appeal to all patriotic traders from the two countries to take advantage of river transport. In the process of transporting goods, we visit the free zones in the wine Nile and inspect the customs and clearance producers. We will also transfer the activations of the railway line between the two countries. The strategic river transport shut down 11 years ago due to the border dispute that culminated into the brief 2012 Iglik War. Gadwak appealed to the South Sudanese and Sudanese traders to make good use of the river Nile transportation now that it is reopened. White Nile State Acting Governor Omar Al-Khalifa Abdallah says the activation of water transportation will improve trade between the neighboring countries. This step facilitate movement between the two countries. We wish the trade recovery between the two countries through this port and the wide Nile. The citizens of both countries benefit from this achievement. The acting deputy chairperson of the South Sudan Chamber of Commerce, Makwat Majuk, says the reopening will help improve the country's economy, noting transporting commodities from Sudan to South Sudan will be much cheaper than receiving goods from East African countries. We have some goods coming from North Sudan, like uh, onions, like tura, uh, and others. It's cheaper than uh, than coming from East Africa, I mean, uh, East Africa countries. Because uh, actually, it will help uh, some uh, states, uh, Unity State and ABA and Northern Al Khazal and Arab State and uh, and uh, Wow, it will help some Irish. There is uh, in Juba, especially uh, onions and uh, tahmiyah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it will help. Because where, where there is competition between other countries, the price will go down. Majuk urges South Sudan officials to ensure that the traders who travel along the Nile are protected so that the transportation is not interrupted again. For VOA News, I am Deng Gaiding in Juba. 
from Juba, we move to Ethiopia, where an April mob attack in northern Ethiopia that left at least 30 Muslims dead and 100 injured has fueled revenge attacks on Christians. Witnesses and community leaders spoke with VOA about what they believe led to the violence. For VOA News, Henry Wilkins reports. The UN says it's deeply concerned over what it calls interreligious clashes in this and other parts of Ethiopia. The country is locked in a vicious civil war and analysts warn religious violence could add to its list of problems. The incident sparked retaliatory violence and protests against the country, including in the capital, Addis Ababa, where there was damage to buildings downtown. Gonda authorities have kept a close eye on independent reporting, while Ethio Telecom has restricted internet access throughout the city. But VOA was able to speak to witnesses. Other witnesses said the violence was premeditated, deliberately targeting Muslims over the course of several days. The UN Commissioner for Human Rights has called on authorities to investigate what happened. Police say they have launched an inquiry. But a Christian leader in Gonda criticised the UN and said the violence is an isolated incident and that relations between Christians and Muslims in the city are good. The violence, he said, is fuelled by some with a political agenda, including rebel groups. A Muslim leader, however, says the violence has been brewing for years. A representative of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church in Gonda said there may be rogue preachers who engage in this kind of rhetoric, but they are not representative of the institution. One analyst says the Gonda conflict may be linked to both regional and religious identity. The Amhara region, where Gonda is situated, has seen a recent surge in ethnic nationalism. As investigations continue, the atmosphere in Gonda remains tense. Henry Wilkins for VOA News, Gonda, Ethiopia. The African Development Bank is predicting slower economic growth and rising inflation in Africa because of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. At its annual meeting this week in Ghana, the African Development Bank said African economies would grow by 4% this year compared to 7% last year. Ken Mensah reports from Accra. According to the latest African Economic Outlook report by the African Development Bank, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and lingering effects of the COVID-19 pandemic pose huge challenges to the continent. The bank's president, Akin Wumi Adesina, said at the launch of the report that it would take a great deal of effort for Africa to fully recover. The recovery for Africa will be very costly. Africa will need at least $432 billion to address the effects of COVID-19 on its economies and on the lives of its people, resources that it does not have. An economist at the University of Ghana, Edu Owusu-Sakodie, told Vue that African economies could recover quickly from the impact of the Russia-Ukraine war by trading among themselves and investing more in agriculture. The war cut off wheat exports from Ukraine, pushing food prices higher across Africa. For Africa to get out of this mess, they have to look into local production our economy must be inward-looking at this point in time. There are some inputs that are in short supply. A typical example is fertilizer. And I think that African economies must be able to set up fertilizer plants to produce their own fertilizer. Uh, wheat supply is also in shortage. Therefore, 
there must be an attempt to grow their own wheat. Sarkodie lauded the African Development Bank for recently approving $1.5 billion to avert a food crisis on the continent by providing seed and other supplies to 20 million farmers. The last thing we want to see in Africa is food crisis. And therefore, this amount of money, if available, should be invested in agriculture inputs, encourage food production, build storage facilities to store the food so that they can be available in lean season, and then build good roads. There's every need for us to start working towards ensuring food security now. As the war in Ukraine and coronavirus pandemic continue to bite, pushing millions of Africans into extreme poverty, locals are hoping initiatives by the African Development Bank and their government will spark an economic rebound. Kent Mensah for VUA News, Accra, Ghana. South Sudan in focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. Hello, I'm VOA health correspondent Linor Mudu. The World Health Organization and Africa Centers for Disease Control say we all can help fight the coronavirus pandemic by wearing face masks that cover our mouths and noses when we are in crowded areas. For more information, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest news on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. That's all we prepared for you this Monday. We now end this show with a traditional Baka song from Ridi County.
We have been listening to a traditional Bakak song from my village. I'm John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking your time to be with us this evening. Remember to join us again tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Yeah, 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 yeah.